Good evening, Rabbi Yisai. Welcome back. We are getting back together after a uh, bit of a hiatus over here. I had us for Yomtiv. Uh, we had at least, what, a two-week break, a three-week break? I don't believe we missed any Parshias, though. The last time we got together was, uh, since uh, Shabbos Haggadah was an entire week before Yomtiv, we got together for Parshas Mitzoyro. That was a whole week before Pesach. Then we had mm-hmm. a week of Pesach, another week of Pesach, another week. And uh, <clears throat> tomorrow... Is uh, tomorrow night is going to be Parshas Achrimos. So after uh, three kayatas, we are getting back together again. But Bar Hashem, we did not miss any Parshas. And um, I'd like to start off with thanking our very owner by Aronson for putting this challenge together. That's right. The Kail is officially on Bein Azmanim. It's officially Bein Azmanim until next week, until Rishchidish. Yet Rabbi Aronson, he he he, you know, went above and beyond yet again. And uh, put at the last minute and at uh, great personal expense, emotional expense, he put this chant together for us. So, Yasha Kayach, we will make a lachaim to that. Also, um, personal note, <clears throat> thanks, to the, thanks to the Rebbein Shalalim, we have a personal simch over here. Uh, we bar Hashem right after Yom Tiv. We were to, uh, most of you know it there, maybe it's not so known yet in WhatsApp, when we had a baby girl. Bar Hashem. The Kriyas Hashem will be this coming Shabbos. Um, and uh, I thank the Rebbein Shalom personally for the uh, great nisim that he's shown us and the chesed he's done with us and uh, also allowing me, in spite of the fact that it's just a few days after the Leda and uh, my wife just got home from the hospital earlier today, but to be able to get together with everyone for the Chumashu tonight and uh, and uh, it's not it's as big of a feat as it seems, Rebbein Shalom, because you get to the point when um, if there's enough kids in the house, that means there's a, a lot of them are already starting to get older. So there's older ones, there's younger ones, there's everyone in between. So you kind of just like walk out the door and you assume that everything's going to be okay. Um, you know, the older ones will watch up to the younger ones. The younger ones will keep the older ones on the toes. The older ones will keep the younger ones hopefully in check or in a chokehold or something like that. And, you know, everything is, you know, more or less all right and under control. And if it's not under control, hey, I'm over here, so I don't really have to know what's going on around the corner. But anyway, L'chaim Taitim L'Shalom, we should be zeich to celebrate many simchas together, many nisim together, many yeshuas together, and and uh, much shefa and muchness, always, all together, much muchness, Rabbi Yisrael. L'chaim, L'chaim Taitim L'Shalom, Baruch Atah Adoinoi, Eloheinu Melech HaYilam Sha'akolni Bedvorei. Okay, now let's get down to business. Parshas Achrimois. Parshas Achrimois. Speak over a couple of things over here, maybe. Um, let, let's look at the the, um, the first pasuk over here, the titular pasuk of the parsha of Aidaber Hashem Amayisha Achrei Mois Shnei Bnei Aharim BeKarvasim Lefnei Hashem VaYamusu. Rebbeinu spoke to Moshe after the to Petira of the two sons of Aaron when they um, <clears throat> approached God and they died. They approached the Rebbeinu Shalalim and they were nifter. Karvasim lifnei Hashem vayamusu. They got too close. They got too close. Zerashi um, <clears throat> asks the obvious question. What's the Torah coming to tell us? And the question is on, on the Achrimois. Why do we have to say and why do we have to know that this is after the Petir of Aaron's sons? We know that already. I mean, unfortunately, they, they were already nifter. There was already a few parshis ago. A, we know it already, and B, we already had a lot of discussions since they were nifted. They were nifted at the beginning of Shemini. We talked about a lot of things since then. We talked about Mitzayras, we talked about Azov, we talked about Tomas Nida, we talked about Palkeri, we talked about 
you know, what you can eat, what you can't eat. We talked about what happens when the sheretz falls into the tanur. We talked about all kinds of things since the two sons of Aaron died. And it's not like every time we talked about something, we said, oh, this is after they died, and this is after they died, and this is after they died. Right? We didn't say that till now. And suddenly, in the beginning of Achari, which, which begins by with the Avoida of, of Yom Kippur, when Kain Gal goes to Lefnaim, Lefnaim, here we say, oh, this is Achari, this is after they died. So it's really a double question, two sides of one coin. Why do we have to point out this after they died, and why over here? It's been so long since they died. We already shared so much tires since they were nifter. The Afka over here, we decide to point that out. So that's what's bothering Rashi. So Rashi brings the mushal, famous mushal. Rebbe Azari gave a mushal. So why here we have to preface the the Avod of Yom Kippur with the fact that this is after they were nifter b'karvasam lefnashem v'yamusu. And what's the first thing that we discuss in the Avod of Yom Kippur? And the first thing that we discuss is... Um, is al yavoi b'chol eis el hakodesh that the kain gadol is only supposed to go once a year into the kodesh kodashim, into the holy of holies, the sanctuary sanctorum where the the aron kodeshes, where the kruvim are. He only is supposed to go there once a year, and he brings everyone knows this is the one of the the, the, the pinnacle of the avodah of Yom Kippur. He brings the pan with the coals and the katayrus, and he lights, the, he burns the katayrus, the incense there in the kodesh kodashim. The smoke fills up the whole chamber. He's only supposed to go there once a year. Keep ba'anan eira el because it says, that's where my shechina is, that's where my, if there's one place where my presence can be felt, is palpable, in this world, it's the Kaddish Kaddashim, it's off limits. You can only go there once a year, as we explained back in Shemais, this was already not from this world anymore. This was uh, a place that was you can't go there, it's not a place where human beings <coughs> exist, it's not part of terra firma really. <coughs> so, it's kind of off limits. You can only go there once a year. You go there more than once a year. You go there the wrong way, the wrong time, with the, the, the wrong procedure. The law yambus. There's going to be a problem. This is something. There's a place that's off limits. A place that's off limits. You can only go here once a year, the right with the, with the, with the right um, procedure. Um, okay, so that's what we begin Avodas Yamakipurim with. We begin with this injunction that. This can only be done once a year, but it can't be done more than once a year. And it can't be done the wrong way, it has to be done the right way. This, this entry of the kind Gadol into the Holy of Holies. So on that, it says, Rebbe Azariah, that's why we preface it with, this is after the two sons of Aaron died. And what's the mushal? The mushal is, it's of two people that go to a doctor. Two people, well, the doc, this doctor in the mushroom is actually making a house call over here. The doctor comes to visit the chayla. Don't eat food that's cold. Don't don't sleep in a drafty place. I see, you know, this is this is my my uh, my prescription for you. Don't eat cold foods. Don't sleep in a cold, drafty, windy place. This, and then and that's 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 what you that's what you need to do to deal with your illness. Good bo acher, another fellow comes from Merloy, Al Taikal Tsoin Val Tishkavatakhav. He says gives the second guy diagnoses him, gives the second guy the second advice. Don't eat cold foods, don't sleep in a drafty place. But here he follows it up with a warning. Not and not just a warning, a a a, a warning where with, with a real life example. Shalai Thomas Kedar Shame's Otherwise you're gonna die 
like so-and-so died. You know, so-and-so had the same illness, and he didn't listen to me, he ate cold foods, he slept in a drafty place, he died, I don't want you to die like that guy died. That's what he tells the second person. First of all, he just gives him the the um, the clinical advice, doesn't tell him what's going to happen, doesn't tell him any consequences. The second person, he tells consequences. And he tells him a real-life example. Says, in the motion that Rashi's quoting over here, the second fellow is certainly more, Zirzoi is, is going to be more pumped, is, 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 rather is going to take it more seriously, going to be much more serious than the first guy. The first guy just heard advice, okay, all right, but it's a little bit more um, theoretical. It's abstracted advice. It's it's clinical advice. The second guy didn't just get clinical advice. He got a very practical lesson that's hitting him home that like, this guy died. He didn't listen to me. He died. <coughs> this first guy, the second guy is going to be much more uh, serious. He's going to take it much more seriously than the first. He's really shaken up. That's why it says, after the death, that Moshe is going to warn Aaron not to go into the Holy of Holies more than once a year, not to go in a very specific way, wearing the four specific, wearing, wearing only a big day love on, and doing the Avodah the Keturus the right way. And that's why we have to preface it again with, 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 with um, the fact that this is after the death of the sons of Aaron. Don't, I don't want you to die like your sons died. Look, they died. They got too close to God and they died. I'm about to give you an injunction, a warning, not to get too close to God. You can only get very close to God once a year. If you get too close to God, the wrong way, the wrong time, it has consequences. And look, your sons died because they got too close the wrong way, the wrong time. And that's why we have to bring this in over here. Period. That's the end of Rashi. That's the end of the Rebelezer ben Azari. That's the end of the Mashal. And that's the beginning of where we have to start musing over here and asking questions. We get it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Certainly, if you go to a doctor and the doctor gives you, you know, guidance and advice, he says, you know, look, this is the doctor. COVID is still out there. The sub, 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 sub variant is subbing around. So you better wear a mask wherever you go. Not only that, wear two masks. Not only that, wear a mask over your ears also. Okay? And he gives you all this advice and guidance. And, and, uh, okay, great. That's the doctor's advice. Wear lots and lots of masks wherever you go. I, I, I hear what he has to say. Uh, the second guy comes in and the doctor says there's a sub-sub-sub-variant of COVID going on. You better wear masks wherever you go. Because you know what? There was someone who didn't listen to me the other week and didn't wear a mask. And I don't want to tell you what happened. And this guy's in the hospital right now. is in the intensive care ward. This guy's in bad, bad, bad shape. So if, if the doctors bring in, you know, examples, can can show you a real-life example of what happened to somebody who didn't listen to the advice, of, of course you take it more seriously. We get it. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. And it definitely answers the question. But it raises more questions than it answers. Why? Who are we talking to over here? Who's Moshe giving this medical advice to? The, the, the Moshe is a very nice Moshe. Two patients are going to a doctor. But what's the nimshal? We're applying this back to Moshe giving this guidance, medical advice, let's call it, to Aaron HaKohen. Aaron HaKohen. So, let's just make a, like, let's just explore this mentally altogether. We seem to be saying that if Moshe would have just told Aaron, Al don't go into the Kaddish more than once a year, and when you go, make sure you go in the right way, and do the Kataris in the right order, and wearing the right clothes, 
and we don't mention the fact that your own sons died because they didn't listen, they got too close to God in the wrong time. If we don't mention that, maybe Aaron's not going to take it seriously. Oh, but if we tell him, we tell Aaron that this is what, you know, your own sons kind of did the same thing. They, they had a breach of protocol and they died. Now Aaron's going to take it seriously. That makes sense to us. Aaron needs a muscle. Aaron is that patient that uh, unless you tell him that someone didn't listen, he died. He's, he's not going to, he's not going to take it seriously. Not going to listen. Again, what, what, what are we telling Aaron if we don't bring in the Moshe of the sons? We're telling him, don't do this. Why, why not? Because I'm going to... No, no, because that's what God said. Meaning, even if we don't bring in the Moshe, even, I'm sorry, even if we don't bring in the comparison to the two sons of Aaron dying, we're still telling Aaron he can't do it. We're still, still telling Aaron, al outside of Yom Kippur, and outside of doing things the right way, and outside of the right procedure, you can't go in... And why not? Well, Aaron will ask us, why not? So we're not going to tell him because your sons did the same thing today. What, what will we tell Aaron? That's what the Rebbe said. This is the Divrei Kim Chaim. That's the Dvar Hashem. That's what God told you to do. Oh, so, so, so then that Aaron's not going to listen to. But if you tell Aaron that your two sons did the same thing and they died, now Aaron's going to listen. Vas Epis. That's, that's, that, that's a, a Vas Epis if there ever was one. We're talking about Aaron Akayim. We're talking about Aaron Akayim, Rabbi Say. Aaron Akayim, just telling him that that's God's will and God's word, that's not enough. It's not enough for Aaron. Aaron has to hear that his sons died. Again, you have the two chaylim by the doctor. We get that. We're talking about two random uh, patients that, that come in off the street. And the second guy, Zerzo, Yoyzer, Minarishan, will definitely take it more seriously than the first guy. But for Aaron kind, why is it not sufficient, the fact that this is just the will of God, that, uh, that for Aaron to take it as seriously as possible? It, it implies, the implication over here is that even if Aaron knows and understands clearly this is what Hashem wants, he's not going to take it as seriously as he will when we tell him, yeah, and you know what? And your, and your sons died when they didn't listen. My heart came on. Aaron needs to hear this. So what's going on over here? A strange Rashi. A strange muscle from Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah. Again, if this is addressing us, we get it. Okay. We understand. If it's talking to us, we need to hear this muscle. We're talking to Aaron HaKain. Daber not Dabrel Bnei Yisrael, Dabrel Bnei Aaron, Kayanim Ladoira Yisaychem. No, speak to Aaron. Tell this to Aaron. Why does Aaron need to hear this? The answer is like this. The answer is Be'etzim, an insight into what Zrizus really is. If we look at the Lushan of Rashi very carefully, Rashi doesn't say in his Moshe with the two patients, excuse me, that the second patient is going to be more shaken up is going to be more frightened, is going to be more scared, is even going to take it more seriously. That's how we've been saying it the whole time. And then this is, I might have been a little bit throwing everybody off, and maybe and maybe leading us, uh, was I leading us astray? I don't know. But I was taking the Rashi, I believe the way most people take this Rashi, when we see this Rashi quickly, that the second guy is going to be, you know, more serious, and the first guy is going to take it more seriously. But that's not really what Rashi says. Rashi doesn't say the second patient when you tell him if you don't do this because Yenim did this and he died. Rashi doesn't say the second guy is going to be taken more seriously. Rashi's lashon is that zirzoi yosem and arishon. He's mizaris him more. The second patient, when you give him a real life example, has more zrizus, more zrizus. So what we're looking to do is give Aaron more zrizus. That's the beginning of trying to 
understand what's going on in this Rashi, because there's a great mystery that does have to be unlocked over here. Again, Arna Kain is <laughs> someone that, that the, the Word of God is going to be quite serious for him. We're not talking about seriously, seriousness. We're not talking about how scared I am. We're talking about how mizuras, mizdares am I, how much zrizus do I have? We want to give Arna Kain more zrizus. The question, obviously, is what is this property and this quantity called zrizus that we're trying to give Aaron more of, and why, indeed, you know, we have a nice nusuch now, but but we only kind of delayed the question to the next step. Like, if zrizus is important, so weiter, why won't Aaron have enough zrizus, again, by just hearing that it's the word of God without hearing an example, without hearing what happened to his two sons? If, if Whatever it is that we're going for is zrizus, we can still ask this question over here, why isn't the injunction itself the Divrei Elikim Chaim enough to give him that Zerizus that we're looking for? So we're getting somewhere, we begin to see some glimmerings and outlines here in, in, in the, in the uh, you know, in the haze and in the darkness. We're looking for something called Zerizus, but it still has to be explored further. What is this Zerizus and why is it that he's only going to get Zerizus when we give him the examples, when we give him real life examples? So what is Rizus? What is Rizus? Zrizus, as anyone who has gone through Mesilus Hasharim even once knows, Rizus is a big term in Mesilus Hasharim. The Ramchal's work, he has the whole, the, the whole Mesila, the path of the Yasharim, of, 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 of the strait. And along his path, he has, you know, rung after rung in his ladder, he has stop uh, upon stop in his path that he gives us, and he goes from Zihirus to Zrizus to, to, to Nikius and beyond. So we know Zrizus is one of the steps of the Ramchal in, in his journey of self-growth and self-improvement. Yes, we know that. And Zrizus, when we see it in English, is typically translated as alacrity. I'm doing something with alacrity. Imizdaris, swiftness, speediness. In a quick way. That's usually how Zrizus is translated. But um, those of us who have been together for our past journeys through the Ramchal's journey, when we've gone on the Mesilah together, we've been zeichet to do it over here in Summerton, Philadelphia. We spent a while going to the Mesilah Sasharim. Um, those who uh, go all the way back to uh, the Aishirs uh, in Yerushalayim, we had went to Mesilah Sasharim at least once, if not twice. Um, the first half of the Mesilah Sasharim. So it's clear that when you go through Zrizos there in Mesidus Hasharim, that the, the translation of Zrizos in an avoidal sense is not alacrity. It's nothing to do with speed. Nothing to do with swiftness. And there's, you know, many proofs of this from just learning through how, how the Ramchal himself describes Zrizos, how he treats Zrizos. And it's very clear. And we, we, we pointed this out many a time when we went on the pathway of the Ramchal's path of the just, Ramchal's path of the Yasharm, rather. We made the journey down the Ramchal's journey. We point this out on many occasions, that in that section of Zrizus, it's clear that Zrizus is not to be understood as having anything to do with speed, swiftness, or alacrity. Zrizus is a different type of idea. And what really emerges is that Zrizus is, is definitely a term and, 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 and a property of Avoida, of serving God, and of, of, of growth in serving God and becoming a, a, a Baal Avoida, someone who is constantly tinkering and, and, and tweaking, refining himself to, to become the beg, best and, and, and um, most appropriate Ever Hashem as possible. It's Rizos within that whole 
path of growth has a very specific kind of spin to it, and that is not swiftness of speed, but as we saw once upon a time, it means motivation. The motivation, a, a, a motivating factor, a motivator. Something that's motivating me, and there's different ways of describing this, energizing me, again, but not in terms of how fast I'm moving, but in terms of motivation, in terms of an approach. And we can, we can approach the same idea from a different direction, and motivation can be turned around and understood also in terms of a goal. I'm motivated to do something. Again, the Rachel starts with the heroes. The heroes is, that's the heroes, if anything, is to take life seriously. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. No, take that back. The heroes is awareness. Okay, the Ramchal begins the path of the just with the heroes, path of the Yasharm with the heroes. The heroes brings us to Zerizos. The heroes is simply, simply to, to, to have an awareness of what I'm doing. And that's really the discussion in the heroes. Being aware of, of, uh, what, what I'm, what I'm up to on a daily basis. So many things that I do constantly that I'm not even aware. That's the heroes. Good. Zerizos, after I've kind of gotten in touch with what's really going on in my life and what I'm really up to, that I, that when things I'm doing all the time without even being aware of, now that I have a cognizance and an awareness, in walks Zerizos. Zerizos can be translated as motivation, can be described as motivation, but can also be, as we were just saying, the flip side of motivation, what goes hand in hand with motivation, is aspiration. Not in the certain terms, sense of breathing, not that kind of aspiration, but aspiration in terms of aspirations. She'ifus, having a goal. When I have a goal, I'm motivated. What am I working towards? What's the end product? Where am I going? Where do I see this taking me? So I have to be aware of what's going on with my own life. And once I'm aware of what's going on with my own life, what am I doing? Okay, where do I want to go? Where am I, where am I going with what I'm doing? If I have a goal, I see that I can become a phenomenal Tamil Chacham. That gives me motivation. I see I can become an amazing father, an amazing husband, an amazing grandparent, an amazing neighbor. I see I can become someone who daven so beautifully, who can be an inspiration to others to do beautiful things. That's a motivator. I'm motivated when I have a goal, and when I have a goal, I have motivations. And that's what Zerizos really is. That's what Zerizos really is. I see the value in something, Let's call it whatever I'm shooting for. I have something I'm shooting for. I see the value in it. If it's chesed, that's, if it's something that's between me and my fellow man, if it's my own improvement, if it's something that draws me closer to God, I see the value in something and I see a personal interest in something. I have a goal. I have something I'm working towards. I have motivation to get there. And that's what Zerizos really is. So after I, I, I'm aware of what I'm doing, I can now set a goal for myself. I can set a bar. I can set a, a, a uh, something that I'm aspiring towards and I'm motivated to get there. If I don't even know what's going on with my own life, I can't set goals. I can't have any motivations because I'm just this mess 
of of uh, of you know I'm out of control. I, I, can't, I can't be on top of myself. I, I can't direct myself. I can't give myself direction if I don't know know what, what what I'm up to. Now that I know what I'm up to, again I can set goals and I can be motivated to meet those goals. That's what Zrizos is. Nothing to do with alacrity. Nothing to do with how fast I'm doing something. How fast the record players turned up. But everything to do with where do I want to go? Where do I want to be? Who do I want to be? What am I working towards? That is Rabbi Yisai's Rizos. The motivation that goes together with aspiration. And aspiration that gives me motivation. So let's get back to Arna Koyin. The question is, why can't we just tell Arna Koyin, if you, you know, you can't go to Arna, you can't go to Kodesh Kodesh because God said you can't go. Why is that not good enough for Arna Koyin? You can't go more than on Yom Kippur and more than a specific way. Why is that not good enough? And the answer is, of course it's good enough. Of course it's good enough. Of course it's enough to keep Aaron Akoin away from the Kaddish Kaddashim. Of course he's going to listen. There's no Shiloh that he's not going to listen. There's no Shiloh that he's going to ignore this injunction. Mm-hmm. There's no question, there's no doubt over here that he's going to ever, ever, even once even think about transgressing. Of course he's going to listen. But the Shiloh is. Where is he going with that? What's the motivating factor? How is that contributing to who Aaron Akoin is? And about everything that we listen to, Everything that Rebbe tells us, tells Arnakan he listens to, because it's really Kim Chaim. And this is what God said, this is what I need to do, I, this is what, this is, this is, uh, this is in the best interest of my neshama, this is, this is what's gonna bring me closer to the Rebbe My goal is to be an Oivet Hashem, this is in the best interest of my spirituality. And he has that motivating factor. But we want to give him more Zerises as well. We want to show Aaron Akain how much he's working towards and what all the different motivators are over here and what all the different goals of this are over here. And we tell Aaron Akain, aside from the fact that this is in the best interest of your neshama, it's also in the best interest of your guf. We're giving Aaron Akain motivating factors on two levels. This is something that you got to do, you got to file, you got to keep. Because it's the Dvar Hashem, and as such, it's the Word of God. And you want your neshama to be kept healthy. You want to keep yourself in line with God's will. You follow God's will, of course I'm going to listen because it's God's will. But we tell Aaron, this is something that is such a high level element of God's will, and so a heavy duty that it's going to affect your body also. It affects the guf. It affects the guf. This is something that produced instant death for your two sons. And that means it's not just something which is the will of God, which has to be followed because the neshama is going to be out of line. It's something that is so severe and so immediate that there are immediate consequences for the guf, for the body, for the physical existence, for the physical life. The second guy gets more zrizus than the first guy. Aaron has more of a motivation, more of a goal. What he's working towards in this, he sees where this affects him more. He sees where this gives him shlemus more, where this where this gives him more of a well-roundedness in terms of his development as an Eved Hashem. This is so consequential and so severe that it affects him not just spiritually, it affects him physically because it produces immediate death. And that's the extra Jesus that we want Aaron to, to have. Not extra Jesus in terms of how serious he's going to take it. Not extra Jesus in terms of is he going to listen? Not, is he not going to listen? Of course he's going to listen. But it's about the goal. It's about the aspirations. It's about where is this bringing me? How is this shaping me and molding me and developing me? This is something that's 
giving me shleimus, not just on a spiritual level, it's giving shleimus on a physical level. It's an avera that is, is of such high consequence that it'll produce the death, it'll produce misa, is something that gives an added dimension to my reason, an added dimension to my, uh, to, 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 uh, why I have to listen, and mamela extra and added motivation and a goal. This is, the, the, the Rashi over here, this is what, um, the point of this mushal is, and this is what's going on with Arnakain. Okay, so this is what, Zrizus is gonna get some insight into Zrizus. Zrizus is not swiftness, not speed, not alacrity. Zrizus is about aspirations, and therefore the motivations. And what we're giving Arn, it's no doubt, it's not, there's no doubt at all whether Arn is gonna listen, of course he's gonna listen. Being Mazara's Arn, i.e. giving Arn the clarity to have the, the motivations to see where this is taking him, what this is all about. This, 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 um, uh, commandment over here, and this injunction of al where that's affecting him, and and um, the goals that that sets for Aaron, and the motivation that that gives Aaron, where this is gonna, where this is affecting him. Okay, let's just uh, share one more idea quickly. We have a couple more minutes before Myrev over here. Uh, in our remaining time before Myrev, let's uh, let's uh, look at it says Viter, um, well-known pasuk, v'chiver ba'adai va'ad beisoi. Pazik tells us that Arnakain will be Mechaper for himself and for his house. He's Mechaper for himself and for his house. Um, and that means when he's, uh, by doing Vidui on the car, by name Kippur, he says Vidui for himself and for his wife. And the Gemara, in the beginning of Yuma, Mishnah learns from here already, that the Kain Gadol has to be married. He has to be married on Yom Kippur for his Avoida to work for him to qualify as the Koyen to work on Yom Kippur, he's got to be married. And if he doesn't have a wife, he's disqualified. And this is such a serious matter that we prepare a backup wife. What, what if something happens to his wife in the middle of Yom Kippur? He's going to be disqualified from the Avodah. So we have a backup wife waiting in the wings that just in case his, his, his wife should expire on Yom Kippur itself. We have a backup wife waiting that, 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 will, that will, she, she will be um, there again waiting on, on, uh, conditionally to become his wife so that he will be married. That's how seriously we take this. This is uh, a prerequisite in the Kohen Gadol being kosher for the Avodah. Okay. Um, so, so the Gemara indeed does learn from here that there is a halacha, that for the Kohen Gadol, to be qualified to work, he's got to be married. So on the one hand, it would seem just to be, okay, it's it's, it's just a divine decree. There's a divine decree that the Kohen Gadol has got to be married. At the same time, the Torah does give us a bit of insight into why. Why, why is it in Taka that the Kain Gadol has to be married in Yom Kippur? Why does he have to be married? If we look at the way the Torah presents it, it seems to be much more than just much more than just a rule, divine decree. What's the way the Torah packages it and presents it when the Torah is telling us that he has to be married? It's presented in the narrative specifically of where he is being misvada, where he is atoning, where he's making a confession. And he's asking for forgiveness. Where do we learn that he's got to be married? From the place in, in, the, in, 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 in the whole Seder um, Hayoim, in the whole uh, procedure, in the process of the Yom Kippur Avayda, where he's confessing and asking for forgiveness. So he asks for forgiveness not just for himself, but for his wife also. The Hebrew Ba'adai, Ba'ad, basically says, Hashem, forgive me and forgive my wife. 
there could, you know, there could have been many places where the Torah could allude to the fact that he has to be married. The Torah could have given us a drasha when he does the Qataris, he's doing the Qataris for himself and for his wife. When he does the Gairolois, the next lottery, you know, could have slipped in over there, he's doing the lottery for himself and for his wife. There's many, many places that we could have thrown this in. And, and he has to have a wife the whole, throughout the entire day. That's when he has to have the wife. There's many places where the Torah could have made this reference. And yet the Torah deliberately, specifically, and obviously deliberately, makes the reference where we're describing him making a confession, making and, and asking for forgiveness on behalf of himself and behalf of his wife. And this is such a huge giveaway, Rabbi Said, in, and an insight into why exactly he indeed needs to have a wife. Why does he have to have a wife? Why is it so important that the Kohen has to have a wife through the duration of Yom Kippur? To the degree that if he doesn't have a wife, again, he's disqualified. There it is. What's going on during the day of Yom Kippur? The kind God is atoning for all of Klyasol. Once a year. Once a year. We're told, you know, at the end of the parasha. Once a year we have this mega atonement. This mega... Uh, um, supercharged, action-packed day where Kleisrael can walk away from Yom Kippur with Tahara, with purity and with atonement. The Kleingol's job is there to be at the center stage of Echad, of Achas Bashan, of that once a year, one day of the year, where Kleisrael can walk in with so bashmutzed, so filthy, so dirty, so grimy, and walk out pure, white, shining, and forgiven. And it's all coming through the Kain Gadol. The Kain Gadol is the one who's running show, the show all day long. He's doing all the special avodas of Yom Kippur. He's changing back and forth five times from the golden clothes to the white clothes to the white clothes to the golden clothes. He's personally involved in everything this one day out of the year. Said differently, the Kain Gadol is a or he's a pipeline of atonement, a pipeline of forgiveness, and a pipeline of purity for all the Klai Achas Bashana, once a year. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Salachti, I've forgiven you. Levnei Hashem Titaru, we're granted purity. And it's all through, channeled via the Kain Gadol. Kain Gadol is that pipeline, that conduit for purity and atonement. For all of us, for all of our sins for the entire year. And the Torah is giving us such an amazing insight over here into how that works and how the Kain Gadol is qualified to be that pipeline, that conduit of atonement for all of us. How is the Kain Gadol capable of doing this job properly, of being there to, to um, atone for all of Kla Yisrael? And it has to be thought of differently a little bit. To carry all the sins of Kla Yisrael on his back, to really have that sense of responsibility for all of us, for each and every Jew, which is what the Kain Gadol, again, is doing. How does he do that? And what puts him in, in, in that position and gives him the ability to have the plight and the fate of every single Jew on his shoulders? He has to be someone who's qualified to do that. He has to be someone who's naturally already in that mode. And the only way he's going to be naturally in that mode to be someone who can carry the weight and the fate and the plight and the burden of the entire nation of Kalah Yisrael to be able to be that pipeline to give them atonement 
is if he's someone who naturally carries a burden on his shoulders. He has to be someone who naturally is already in that role. He has to be someone who naturally walks around thinking about others and more than just thinking about others, worried about others. He has to be a chepza, we would say, in Talmudic terms. He has to be, on an essential level, his essence has to be the essence of someone who is who is a, a human being that can be defined as someone who walks around with others on his mind and others on his shoulders. That's who he has to be on an essential level. If that's who he is, he can be the pipeline to be Mechaper for Gantz Because he is someone who is parameterized as such. He is someone who exists as such. He's someone who is very existence as someone who is there to bear, bear, and, and, and bear the burdens and carry the weight of others on his shoulders. So yes, he can be that pipeline, that conduit to atone for in the entirety of Klaiosol to carry Klaiosol on the shoulders. But it's only going to work if that's already who he is. He's got to be someone that already is defined as such, already exists as such on an essential level. And that's why he has to have a wife. That's why he has to have a wife. Because when you're married, when you have a v'chibra you have a household, you have a wife, you have kinderloch, you have children, you're a different person on an essential level. You're a different human being on a fundamental level. You're someone that naturally walks around with someone else on your mind. You naturally walk around with the fate of other people on your shoulders. I'm not just someone who exists for myself anymore on an independent level. I'm someone that has others that depend upon me, others that need me, others that I have to worry about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a line that you ask the yeshiva guys, and you see a yeshiva guy who smokes, let's say. Let's just say, you're a smoker? He says, just right now. This is generally the line that you get back. Right now I'm a smoker. What do you mean right now? You're like, see, you smoke. You, you, you take cigarettes during the day. Yeah, but only till I get married. Only till I get married. Once I get married, I'm going to stop smoking. So what was the shot that everyone makes this decision when they stop married? They're not even in Shadokim yet. Why should they stop smoking when they get married? This is 9 out of 10 times, 99 out of 100 times is what the yeshiva guys will say. Yeah, just till I get married. Why just you'll get married? Why? Because your wife's not going to let you in the door? Well, there's ways of concealing smoking, breath mints, and sprays and stuff like that. There's ways to come in the house that you don't smell smoke. But why just do you get married? Because when you get married, you feel a responsibility. You feel an achrayus. I have to take care of myself a little bit better. You know, most people will see this. You, you know, you, you know, you're a bacher. You drive like a bacher. At a bacher drive, speed demons. Weaving in and out of traffic, not wearing seatbelts. Right? Givald. Givald geshrigen. You drive like a nut. Once you get married, you drive differently. Even when your wife's not in the car. About when she's in the car, you're going to drive differently. But even when you're not, she's not in the car, you're going to drive differently because you're thinking about someone else. You think about your wife, you think about your kids. I have to take care of myself a little bit better because there's people that depend on me. I feel the weight, I feel the burden, I feel other people on my shoulders. I feel other people that are dependent upon me. And when you're someone that, on an essential level, on a fundamental level, you feel the weight of other people naturally wherever you go, you can be a conduit, you can be a pipeline to a, a great, grand pool of people. Because naturally you're someone that worries about other people. 
naturally you're someone that constantly has the fate and the plight of other people on your mind. Then you can be that sinner on Yom Kippur to be mechaper. If you're If you don't have that, then you can't be that person on Yom Kippur either because you don't know what that means. You're not naturally that person. You're not on an essential and a fundamental level anymore. A person who walks around naturally feeling that that presence, that responsibility, it's not going to work on Yom Kippur to expand that. You have nothing to expand. If you're like that during the year, you can be that seen on Yom Kippur. This is why, in fact, in Halacha, this shows up even in Halacha, very interestingly, we know in Halacha, there's a preference that when you send someone up for the, for the, to, to Dab for the Tzibor, on, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the Shlich Tzibor is supposed, is supposed to be someone who's married with Kindalach. And on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the preference is you should find someone to Dab for the Ahmed who is married and has kids. Why is that, Rabbi? It's the same exact reason. Not Agzeus Akasav, Chibur Ba'adu, Ba'ad Beisoy. But if you're going to be davening for the for the Tzibur, you're going to be saying, you're going to be trying to be a Tzibur, you're the Shliach Tzibur, you're trying to bring down Slicha, Mechil, and Kapar for everyone. We want you to be someone that already is someone who has responsibility for others, who understands what it means to have a Christ for others, who worries about others, who has the burden of others on their shoulders, who has the plight, plight and fate of others on their minds naturally and constantly, then you can expand that on Yom Kippur to the entire Tzibur. If you don't have that naturally, you have nothing to expand. We don't want you davening for the Tzibur on Yom Kippur. If you already have that, you have something to expand, you can be the Chibur Ba'adoi, Uva'ad Beisoi, Uva'ad Kol Kahal Yisrael. Okay, everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. And Nar Simchus Rabbi Yisrael, L'chaim Toivim L'shalom. And uh, thank you for joining